Tuesday, March 13th. Welcome, everybody, to CBSSports.com Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Not filling out any brackets today. But, Al, how you feeling about Michigan? Well, after their uh, Big Ten tourney, not so good. <laughs> but uh, let's just see if we can get them past Ohio University. Fortunately, not Ohio State. Yeah. I got them in the Sweet 16. Yeah. I guess we are filling out brackets today. <laughs> but then I think they'll lose to UNC, right? Yeah. Uh, I hate to admit it, but that's, that's probably where I'll I have think them. you would take the Sweet 16. That's pretty good. Pretty good. Adam Azer here with Al Melchior. And hello, Scott White. Hello, Adam Azer. How was your weekend? Great. Good. Welcome back. We haven't been on the air since Thursday. Today we're talking draft busts. We're talking about guys you might want to avoid on draft day. They are not going to perform as well as you might expect them to. And also later we'll go over some news and notes from around baseball. Why should you know the name Lance Lynn? Are the A's closer to naming a closer? And much more. But first I want to tell you about Seeking Justice. How far would you go to take justice in your own hands? Nicholas Cage answers that in an action-packed vengeance thriller starring Cage, January Jones, and Guy Pierce. Seeking Justice is rated R. Opens in theaters March 16th. All right, let's get to the show, fellas. We have a whole list of busts here. We'll do it like we did the sleepers and breakouts on last show. We'll kind of go in depth on certain guys. Scott, um, wow, you got a lot, of <laughs> a lot of guys on your bust list. Uh, J.P. Aaron Sibia is one of them. He's also on Al's bust list. We've uh, we talked about him a lot. Um, Ryan Howard is on both of your lists, so I'll cross him off as well. Alex Rodriguez is on both of your lists. I will reluctantly <laughs> cross him off. Which, if he stays healthy, he could have a really nice year, right? He's turning 37. So is it just health? Is he Nelson Cruz? Uh, mostly. I mean, he could have a good year if he stays healthy. Not old A-Rod year, obviously. 30 and 100, year. though. I, I don't see. I don't think he could get to 30 home runs. Really? I, don't, I don't think that's a possibility for him anymore. <laughs> okay. And you both have Hunter Pence on your bus list, so I will cross You're shocked by that one. Him off. Yeah, I know. He's like the, the theme of this podcast. All right, so let's, uh, let's read the rest of them. Scott, um, why don't you read, just to simplify this for the listeners, read your busts up until we get to outfielders, so through shortstops. Okay. I didn't cross off the names you crossed right. off. No Aaron Sibia, no Ryan Howard, no Alex Rodriguez, and then eventually no Hunter Pence. Okay. I have Lance Berkman, Freddie Freeman, Michael Kadire, Chase Utley, Danny Espinosa, David Wright, Michael Young, Hanley Ramirez, Azdrubal Cabrera, Derek Jeter. And, and we'll, stop. we'll stop you yeah. right there. Let's start with Lance Berkman. Sixth round in head-to-head, seventh in Roto. Excellent year last year. But the dude's old, Scott. Yeah, the dude's old. He's 36, and that's really the only problem I have with him. I think it's possible he could have a year much like he did last year. I've always loved his skill set. I loved what he did last year. But at age 36, I don't trust him to stay healthy for a full season again. And he showed just two years ago that when he's less than 100%, things can go south for him pretty quickly. So I think as early as you'd have to draft him, um, there's just so many other things I'd rather do with that pick. I'd, I'd rather go starting pitcher at that point, uh, or I'd rather, if Hosmer's still there, Lawry, one of those types, rather than Berkman. Berkman or Alex Gordon? I would go with Alex Gordon. Al, Berkman or Gordon? Berkman. 
Yeah, you're and not we'll, as low. Are you, is that more about Gordon or Berkman? It's about both of them. Um, okay. I'm not as skeptical. Sure, there is the age-related and injury-related risk with Berkman. But, um, yeah, it's got just as much to do with uh, Gordon that uh, I think he's a bust. But we'll talk about that mm-hmm. when we get to my bust list. Let's talk about Freddie Freeman because I know we've had this discussion before, but let's reignite it. He's a bust for Scott. He's going in round 13 in head-to-head leagues, round 11 in roto leagues. Braves first baseman Freddie Freeman. Al, you like him. I do. Um, and I you know Scott will make his case. Uh, I always forget what there is not to like about him because uh, <laughs> Free, uh, Freeman's got developing power, can hit for average. I uh, just think he's uh, an up-and-coming guy who could take another step forward this year. And that, uh, given what you have there in the middle range of first baseman, uh, that sets him apart. He was pretty low in the first base rankings last year. So to justify this draft position, he's going to have to get better than he was last year. And considering he hit 21 home runs last year, which was kind of a surprise considering he doesn't even necessarily profile as a 30-homer guy in his prime, and he's only 22 this year. I don't think the home runs are really going to improve this year. And considering he struck out... Um, 142 times last year. I have a hard time believing that batting average is going to get much better at this stage of his career either. As he gets closer to his prime, maybe, but I'm I'm not there with Freeman yet. Al, is that it? Yeah, no, I mean, it, you know, it, whenever I'm puzzled about why you call somebody a bust, it, it's, I'd say nine times out of ten, <laughs> it comes back to the strikeouts. So <laughs> <laughs> That's part of the reason, but I mean... A lot of it, I think people are overestimating exactly what Freeman did last year, at, the, at least in head-to-head leagues. It, he didn't stack up. I mean, he was usable, but he wasn't 11th, 13th he a, he round He was a starter-sit guy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, he was a guy we talked about on our start-sit show. It was like, eh, what do we do with Freeman this week? He wasn't an automatic. Anyway, he is going just behind, well, one spot behind amongst first baseman, but actually 19 picks behind Michael Kadire. So a round and a half behind Kadire. Kadire, 284, 20, and 70 last year with 11 steals and 139 games with the Twins. Now he's on the Rockies, 11th round in head-to-head, um, and you know people are going to take him as an outfielder more so than a first baseman. But what do you think about, uh, what do you think about him, Scott? He's on your bus list. Yeah, and going that far ahead of Freeman... It's kind of uh, it's kind of a case too of I think people overestimating what exactly Kadire does for you. There have been times in the past when he's been eligible at third base, eligible at second base, so maybe that plays into him being overrated here as well. Uh, but he's just a first baseman outfielder heading into the season, and I'm not sure that's going to change now that he's with the Rockies. Obviously, the course field factor isn't what it used to be. Um, and he's only averaged 17 home runs over the last two seasons, so not a consistent source of power. There are times when he stepped up his production in that category, but it's not enough of a guarantee for me to take him that early. Yeah, I agree with that. And, you know, something to tuck away for keeper league value with Kadire is that he's being bandied about as the longer-term replacement for Todd Helton, which could mean losing that, that outfield eligibility, which is a, a slight negative for him. Yeah. Um, moving on. Utley and Espinosa are on this list, but we'll skip ahead to David Wright. There's news on David Wright. He's injured. It's oblique, right? The oblique? Rib cage, oh, yeah, which rib is the same. All right. Yeah. Same um, area. So will he be ready for opening day? They're thinking he will be. Um, they they didn't find any damage in the area. He's supposed to begin baseball activities in a week. 
but but there's a chance you know he could suffer a setback. Obviously, there's a chance it could take him longer to get ready than they're thinking. There's a chance he could start on the DL early. I, I don't think Wright's going to miss a lot of time, but. I still think he's a bus candidate. All right, so this is independent from the injuries. Yeah, independent from the injuries because he he's at a point now where he, he kind of has to prove himself all over to me again. And and maybe if he wasn't going in the third round, uh, I wouldn't even have him on this list. But to me, you want a surefire stud at that point in the draft. And the way his strikeout numbers have been rising, um, his home run, his power numbers have been up and down over the last few years. I understand uh, the Mets moving to City Field had something to do with that, but his numbers have been just as bad on the road during that stretch. Uh, so I, I think there's a lot of questions here with Wright. Health, one of them. Production, the other. That uh, I'd, I'd much rather just skip him and fall back on a Lawry or even uh, you know a guy with as many question marks but available much later like a Kevin Euclid. Well, Euclid is going in the sixth or seventh round, right around there, and right in head-to-head leagues. I got him, uh, Scott, going in the fourth round right now. Yeah, I think it's third and Roto, third fourth and, and head-to-head. Okay, so um, how about this? Would you rather have Wright in the fourth round or Sandoval in the seventh round? Sandoval. Sandoval, and I was waiting on what round you were going to give us Sandoval in because to me that that makes all the difference. <laughs> okay. uh, because if it had been the sixth round, maybe I would have well, would have gone right there. I've I've got to get better at multiplying by twelve because <laughs> it takes me a while when I look at that average draft position. I see Sandoval eighty three, and I brought in a little chart today, but I didn't uh, I didn't have <laughs> Your time multiplication to multiplication tables. Yeah, you know, yeah. obviously if we were talking ten team leagues, I'd have that more down pat. But I nailed it because eighty three is like right at the end of round four, which ends at, at pick eighty four. So I got it with Sandoval. Okay, uh, we move on. Michael Young is on this list. He overachieved last year. I know you guys mentioned that on the third base preview. Let's talk about the shortstops. You've got Hanley Ramirez, is Drupal Cabrera, and Derek Jeter. Hanley Ramirez is going end of round two in head-to-head leagues, middle of round two in Roto. Al, I'll ask you first. Is he a bust this year? Not for me. Um, and, and I understand it. You know, we've talked about it before. I think Scott will certainly highlight the risks uh, with the, the injuries, playing time, performance. Um, but still for me, you know, there aren't that many sure things. And Hanley Ramirez, you take out a few months of last year, and he's still an elite-level shortstop, and I'm willing to bank on the fact that he's going to make, uh, if not a full return, a, a very close to full return. Do you got no problem with where he's going right now, second round? Uh, end of second round, not at all. Okay. Well, there, there was only one month last year when Hanley Ramirez performed like an elite-level shortstop because in addition to the slump early on, you had the injury that cost him a big chunk of time late. It was the second straight year he had – uh, an injury that cost him significant time at the end of the season. And look, for the most part, I've been encouraged from what I've seen from him this spring. The power's been there, so I'm not so worried about him coming back from shoulder surgery now. Um, the, uh, uh, you know, he, he's done fine at third base. I'm not so worried about that issue anymore. Uh, but still, even before the the Marlins signed Jose Reyes, I was still scared of Hanley Ramirez coming into this season. And a big reason for that is because uh, just the way the last two seasons ended, he's kind of joined Jose Reyes, I think, as an injury-prone shortstop. You know, obviously not playing shortstop anymore, but that's where you're using him in fantasy. Um and that, to me, scares me for with a second-round pick. I, I Again, with those very, very early picks, I don't want to take a guy who I can't trust to play 
you know, even two-thirds of a season. And, so who and, would you take over him? Would you take Kinsler over him? I would take Kinsler over him. Even though Kinsler's a bit of an injury risk? And right now he's yeah, dealing with, he's what, a, a back injury? Yeah, he's a bit of an injury risk, but I don't know. Maybe maybe it's just a, a, a case of what have you done for me lately? Kinsler coming off his healthiest season. There's There have been players that have started off as injury risks and then kind of lost that label. And So I, I'm leaning that way with Kinsler now. I'd take him a little ahead of Hanley, yes. Kinsler or Hanley? Probably Kinsler, but I like the comparison because that's exactly the reason why I do like Hanley this year. Because, okay. you know, somebody like Kinsler, you look at the injury history and he's incredibly risky, but then you look at the upside he has within his position and you say, yeah, I'd take a risk on that guy in the second round. I feel like Hanley falls in exactly the same class. It's just, as Scott points out, Kinsler's put the playing to- time together more recently than Hanley has. And Derek Jeter is going ahead of Alexi Ramirez, Johnny Peralta, J.J. Hardy, Eric Ibar, and D. Gordon in head-to-head leagues. Same in Roto, except D. Gordon is actually going ahead of Jeter in that format. So again, he's going before Alexi Ramirez, Peralta, Hardy, Ibar, and D. Gordon in head-to-head leagues. So, uh, you know, Scott, J- Jeter's on your list here, but is he worse than any of those guys? The only one I would take Jeter ahead of is Alexi Ramirez. The oh, rest, really? I, would take, I would take Peralta, Hardy, Ibar, D. Gordon... Well, Gordon in Roto, probably take him behind Jeter and head-to-head. But um, in in both formats, I would take those other guys ahead of Jeter. Interesting. And uh, the reason is I, I think Jeter's a safer option. Obviously, he rebounded to hit three twenty seven in the second half last year. My issue is he had only 16 doubles during that stretch. He's pretty much a slap hitter now, not going to steal you a ton of bases. Um, I trust him to be competent. While some of these guys obviously are regression candidates, such as Hardy and, and Eric Ibar, but in a mixed league, you know, I, I'm I'm shooting for the stars. I I don't want just competent. I can fall back on competent on the waiver wire probably after the draft. So Jeter's not interesting to me with a middle round pick. Let's read the rest of your your busts here. Hunter Pence, and then go on. Hunter Pence. Carl Crawford, Nelson Cruz, Delman Young, Cameron Mabin, Austin Jackson, Josh Beckett, Steven Strasburg, Hiroki Kuroda, Joe Nathan, Carlos Marmol, Andrew Bailey, and Kenley Jansen. Those closers, Nathan, Marmol, Bailey, Kenley Jansen. Who scares you the most? I would say... Who comes with the most risk? Because he has to... I mean, Marmol's probably scarier than Bailey, but he's going later than him so yeah I, I i would say nathan based on where he's getting drafted uh because i don't feel like he came all the way back last year he was good enough to close but in, in texas good enough often isn't enough and they have so many fallback options there with mike adams alexio gondo even neftali feliz if he doesn't work out in the starting rotation so he's nathan's the scariest yeah nathan is going only nine picks after bailey he's going 161st Overall, and you know, according to my cheat sheet here, that means uh, he's going in round 14. So, how about that? Uh, all right, let's talk about Carl Crawford, an interesting guy. I know we've mentioned him before, but I love talking about Carl Crawford. <laughs> I think he's one of the most interesting guys in fantasy this year. He's a bust for you. He is a bust for me, and I, I for several different reasons. One is that I, we, everybody knows he had a down last year, a down year last year. I think we forget just how bad it was. Looking at the players who finished ahead of him in head-to-head last year, uh, some of the names include Brennan Bosch, Bobby Abreu, 
Alfonso Soriano, Hideki Matsui, and all of them, with the exception of Matsui, had fewer at-bats than Carl Crawford. So he was just terrible. He obviously bad. has a long way to go to get uh, back to being a high, high-end guy that he's being drafted to be. And then on top of that, you have him dealing with this wrist injury now. Tried to come back too soon from surgery. Had a setback. Um, they're taking it easy, easier with him now, but it, it's clear to me that he's he's motivated to push himself back as soon as possible. Uh, prove that he deserves that contract that you know everyone says he didn't deserve now. And uh, to me, that's a dangerous combination. Uh, you look at what happened with Joe Maurer when he rushed back from knee surgery last spring. Uh, ended up going on the DL with leg weakness. Uh, never never got his power back really all season. Uh, the the injury completely derailed him from the start, and and that's a, a huge obstacle for Crawford to overcome at a time when his confidence and and uh, fantasy owners' trust in him should already be down. He's already going in round nine in head to head leagues, He's but dropping. I think it's like six in roto. Okay, so. Yeah, nine's still too early for me, is I think. It, yeah, there, there's Ninth, definitely not too early for me. I will say six seems a bit early in, in Roto. Who are some of the names around him in Roto? In, I don't have Roto, but in head-to-head, Desmond Jennings is around ahead of him. Shinsu Chu is around ahead of him. But after Crawford, Chris Young, Andre Ethier, Michael Bourne, Nick Swisher. Yeah, that sounds about right to me. Not, not too early. I think okay. I like pretty much all those guys more than Crawford, so... We talked a lot about Strasburg on last podcast. It was an interesting discussion. Um, tune, tune into the Thursday, last Thursday show on sleepers and breakouts. Scott has him as a bust because uh, well, I of should, innings. Yeah, because of innings. Yes. I should mention he's going to be great when he pitches. I just don't think he'll pitch enough. It's like 160, you said? Yes. Yeah, so you might not have him in the stretch run, and we have an email about that, I believe, coming up later. So the last guy I wanted to ask you about was Hiroki Kuroda. I think you got him for like two bucks or something in our auction. He's going in round twelve and head to head round sixteen in Roto. Yeah, he's he's on the lower end of bust for me. Um, I'm not completely avoiding him or anything, but going from the NL West, which has so many weak lineups, to the AL East, which uh, crazy deep lineups across the board. Uh, a guy who's in his late thirties doesn't necessarily have knockout stuff. I just think there's the potential there for him to get overrated um, among people who see him getting a boost from the Yankees. I, I think there'll be more of a negative impact with that move than a positive one. That's Hiroki Kuroda. Let's move on to Al Melchior's busts. So J.P. Aaron Sibia will cross him off. Ryan Howard, A-Rod, Hunter Pence all agreed, on, agreed with uh, – Scott agreed with you on those four. So – why don't you read yours up until outfielders from first base to short? Okay, and we skip right over the catchers because Aaron Sibia was my yes. only catcher bust. So moving on, we've got Eric Hosmer, Adam Lind, Brandon Phillips, Chase Utley, Michael Young, Elvis Andrews, J.J. Hardy, D. Gordon, Alex Gordon, Dexter Fowler. Uh, bet, bet. You're not listening uh, to instructions. I, uh, I did not, not follow instructions. <laughs> I, just got car- I listened, but yeah. then I got carried away. So I'll pick... Uh, you know it was, it was that Gordon segue. I'll pick... Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> uh, yeah, let's start with D. Gordon, because <laughs> Scott seems to like him, especially in Roto Leagues. 
not so much in head-to-head leagues, but you have D. Gordon as a bust. Yeah, just because last year I thought he did what we expected from him, and not necessarily right away, but maybe a year or two into his career where he'd hit for 300 and produce a whole bunch of stolen bases. And his skill set just doesn't really go very far beyond that. So um, I think it was maybe a Twitter question or somebody, or maybe in our chat, uh, somebody asked me about him, and I made a comparison with Alcides Escobar different position but sort of similar skill set and and uh value set and um you know we we got a partial season from Alcides Escobar when he first came up did the same thing not not the stolen bases actually but the high average with the history of stolen bases and now he hasn't you know hit much above 250 since then so not saying that's going to happen with D Gordon but I think the risk of the decline is greater than the potential for a payoff of improvement it's pretty simple for me with Gordon. If you need steals, you want him. If you don't need steals, you don't. I don't even <laughs> care about batting average so much. I just know he's going to steal 40-plus bases this year, batting leadoff for the Dodgers. And and that's hard to get later in drafts. There is, He's gone sooner than I'd take him, I've seen, in some of our Roto drafts. But um, I, I think he's, he's plenty valuable in those formats. By the way... Uh, I have two shortstops in our auction league that I mentioned. Scott got Hiroki Kuroda at a bargain price. I think they are D. Gordon and Elvis Andrews. <laughs> so I know you don't like my shortstops too much, Al. What do you have against Elvis Andrews? You know, sort of same deal, except, of course, he's got three years. Andrews has three years under under his belt. And here's somebody, again, you know, came out of the gate, really exceeded expectations as a young, young guy, 20 years old as a rookie, but hasn't really done much since then other than make some improvements in his strikeout rate, but nothing dramatic. And um, again, this could be the breakout year for Andrews, but people seem to draft him every year and including this year as if this is the breakout year. And with three straight years of kind of flatlining stats, um, to me, he really falls to the middle of that, really, it's a third tier of shortstops because the second tier being guys like Esdrubal and Rollins. Um, you know, he's really below them and not really even my first choice among the third tier. Read your outfielders. All right, so I could do that now. Yeah, you can even. Yeah, so we go from D Gordon to, to Alex Gordon. I have yes. something against the Gordons. <laughs> Dexter Fowler, but this is you know with an asterisk. Uh, I think he's fine for head to head. I think just think he's being drafted too early in Roto, and we could talk about that. Um, and then I've got my pitchers, Jared Weaver, Matt Cain, Doug Fister, Brandon Morrow, Jair Jurgens, and then a couple of closers, Jose Valverde, and just to be difficult, since Scott had Kenley Jansen, I put down uh, Javi Guerra. <laughs> did I ask you to read the pitchers, or did I say read the outfielders, Al? Yeah, you just asked me to read the outfielders. But you, but you, you read my mind, because <laughs> I wanted you to read the pitchers, too. <laughs> you were yeah. not good at following instructions. No, it was not. my fault. It was I, yeah, I was that kid in kindergarten who always colored outside the line, so that's, yeah, that's all right. Well, you won't have to color at all on this show. <laughs> Alex Gordon, your beef with him. Yeah, just overrated based on last year's production, especially the batting average and the doubles, both which were just crazy out of line with this history. Yes, I know he's a former high first-round pick. Yes, I know he's got great pedigree, great college career, all that. Um, But we got a lot of major league stats for this guy that we don't just have to project from the Scott is going to from the from the pedigree (laughs) and you know it just it really came out of out of nowhere and we've seen this before with guys who you know they have good luck on balls in play the doubles go up the overall value especially in head especially in head-to-head goes up and then it falls like a rock the next year and I just think that Gordon is the poster child for that phenomenon Scott it might be related to Alex Gordon I'm not sure really likes him I think Hunter Pence is more the poster child for that 
phenomenon, and, and we'll you make might a agree poster. with that. <laughs> See, Alex, share a poster. Alex Gordon, I feel like you have to throw all his previous major league stats out the window because what happened with him last year, he completely rebuilt his swing with Kevin Seitzer, spent all offseason doing it. He completely remade himself as a hitter. It, it was almost like a different person was at the plate. So I'm not sure that you can look at the numbers and say, okay, that's not in line with who we know he is. That's not in line with who we know he is because we didn't know who he was until last year. And that's where the argument ends. Oh, okay. <laughs> Alex Gordon or Michael Morse? Michael Morse. I would take Alex Gordon. Alex Gordon or Nelson Cruz? I'd, also, I'd take that Alex Gordon easy. again. Yeah, that one's easy yeah. for Scott. Yeah, yeah and uh, I, ugh, that's obviously harder because I just have no faith that Cruz is going to ever play a full season. But I think I'd still take Cruz. Alex Gordon or Shane Victorino? And that one's easy for me, Victorino. I'd take Victorino also. How about, let's see, who's next here? All right, we'll do the Dexter Fowler argument. So you don't like him in Roto, and I think you mentioned this last week. Yeah, and it's really it's simple because I like the growth that we've seen from him, particularly the second half of last year. But um, when you look at where he's being drafted, not really high in Roto, but high enough that it seems like people are expecting a surge in steals from him, and he hasn't had a good success rate. Uh, over the no, over the years, well, I think it's like the he's still pretty late in Roto, like 18th or 19th round. Uh, I, I actually have him in my late rounders column, and I think if you expect him to hit for a high batting average, like he did in the second half last year, a reasonably high batting average, uh, improvement in power, maybe to the 15 homer range. Uh, obviously, a lot of runs scored, batting leadoff for the Rockies. How many steals does he really need? I, I think, and that's where we differ because I don't expect all those other things from him. Okay, I, I think he can maintain what he did last year, but I don't know that Fowler is going to take another big step like that. And 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 if he's not going to, then you do need the steals. I, I also want to point out that during that sixty-four game stretch when he came back from the minors, hit two ninety-seven, he was nine for twelve in steals then too. I don't really have a good explanation for why he was more successful in steals then, but. Confidence. Yeah, I, I mean, it shows he has the capacity for it. He reworked his running. His job as well as his <laughs> left-handed swing there. Yeah, so he was 12 for 21 last year and 13 for 21 in 2010. He does not have a good track record. Jared Weaver, got to expand on this one. This was a fun debate when we did our starting pitchers podcast. He's going in round two in head-to-head -head leagues, round three in roto leagues. Al, you've got him as a bust. Yeah, and it's simply because of that draft position. It's not that I hate Jared Weaver. It's not that I think he can't be drafted as a number one starter. But for me, he's I think I've got him ranked 12th. So he really, to me, is like the last guy I would pick as my number one starter. And I probably would hope he slides that I could use him as a number two starter, not somebody I would take in the third round or earlier because um, I'm not relying on a bounce back to a strikeout and inning like he had two seasons ago. I'm not relying on him with the crazy Babip and strand rates that he put up last year. And he's a, he's a good Babip guy. He's a fly ball pitcher, gets lots of pop-ups, better than anybody probably in Major League Baseball right now in terms of not giving up hits on balls in play you know, through, through lots of pop-ups. But what he did last year was just off the charts. And uh, he's, a, he's a regression candidate that does not, to me, look like a third-round draft pick. Alex Gordon's, uh, you know, that's one of Scott's boys. He also likes Matt Cain. You have Matt Cain as a bust. He's going in round four and head-to-head -head and round six in Roto. Yeah, same story there. The round six in Roto actually 
sounds kind of reasonable. But again, there you need the strikeouts more, and Kane is has been over his career an average strikeout pitcher for a, for a starter. Yes, but the innings, right, Scott? Yeah, <laughs> and you know, I I, I pay I, attention. I, I want to say that I I think it's it's probably a little too strong to say Matt Kane is one of my boys. I there's never a point where I say I have to have Matt Kane. This is the guy I'm going for. It just seems like to me. Um, you know, regardless of what these average draft positions say, among the, those first three tiers of pitcher, he's, he's one of the guys who often ends up falling to maybe the eighth or ninth round. And if, if he's the last guy left from that group, shoot, I'll take him. I think he has the potential to be just as good as any of those guys. And, and I will too, actually. Eighth, ninth round, no problem with Matt Cain. It's just a question of the perception based on last year's performance. Let's get into the news and notes. Good news for Kendry Morales. He has uh, ran the bases, run the bases, and uh, what's the latest on the Angels' designated hitter situation? I'm starting to get the impression it's going to be Morales. Morales. Yeah, I mean, still a couple hurdles to clear, but this is something he was he wasn't able to do last year, so it's it's looking it's looking pretty optimistic. And what does that mean on draft day? Still a late round guy. For now, let's see him hit playing actual games a's closer situation what's the situation there well it looks like we've got it whittled down to two guys now whereas it was four or five uh, not long ago so we've got brian fuente still in the mix and grant balfer i don't think either guy particularly has a a, um, a leg up at this point um i think both are low-end guys if they win out i think we both i can speak for myself probably like balfer a little bit better uh, yeah if he gets the job who would you rather take balfer or addison reed Ooh, I think probably Reed for the upside. At this point. It, it could change later in spring, though. Frank Francisco or Balfour? Uh, uh, Francisco, because yeah. he's got a job. And I always liked him and thought he was an underrated guy anyway. Okay. Braves third baseman Chipper Jones says, quote, tomorrow might be my last day, end quote. And the worst part is he said that yesterday. So <laughs> he might have retired by now. Yeah. Uh, anyway, the point is Chipper Jones is not feeling great. He hates getting old. And Scott, are you crying about this Braves fan? No, I'm I'm not crying about it. I mean, I I trust he's going to play this whole season. I don't I think uh that was you know, only halfway serious. It's more talking about next season whether he's going to have a season beyond this one. And uh I if if the last few seasons are any indication when he's in the lineup, he's still useful in fantasy. I, you know, I, I don't think anything really changes with his comments yesterday. Who has had a better career, Chipper Jones or Derek Jeter? <laughs> um, yeah. You're thinking about this way too long. Oh, you think it's that obvious it's oh, Jeter? Oh, of course it's Jeter. I don't, I don't uh, think know, it's obvious I, at all. I, think, I would want to look into it. I think it's close. <laughs> Obviously, OPS-wise, Chipper yeah. blows Jeter out of the water, but Jeter's been more durable. Obviously, has more championships. Um, it's, not, it's not that obvious. I'm just yeah. being a jerk. They're they're pretty close, I think. They are. I would honestly give it to Jeter, but it's close. Okay. Uh, St. Louis starting pitcher Chris Carpenter has a bulging disc in his neck, 
Lance Lynn, a potential replacement. He struck out 40 in 34 and two-thirds innings last year. What do you make of this, Al? There's a bullpen phone joke in there somewhere, but uh, I don't have it. <laughs> uh, what I make of it, though, is not much. It, it, actually, what I make of it is a little disappointment because I'd like to see Lynn as a starter full-time, and the Cardinals are pretty clear that um, as soon as Carpenter's ready to come back, Lynn will go back to um, maybe an eighth-inning role, but definitely a relief role. Are we worried about Carpenter, though? I am. I'm... I'm worried about him. He's somebody I actually had as, as kind of a sleeper because I thought he was getting downgraded too much um, based on what he did last year. But now that you throw this into the equation, you can't trust him to be that 230-inning guy, maybe not even a 200-inning guy. And uh, the way his, his other numbers have been uh, declining little by little, um, that makes him no better than a middle-rounder. You know, it's funny because I, I skipped right over the, the obvious yeah. part of that because I actually did view him as a risk coming into the season. So for me, it actually doesn't really change a whole lot. Danny Noble reporting that Alexio Gondo seems likely to end up in the bullpen. That's not surprising. We've been talking about that. Um, more with the Rangers. Mike Napoli's been out with left groin tightness. Ian Kinsler has a back issue. Are we worried about either situation there? I think I've said the word situation enough to be on Jersey Shore. Sorry about that. Uh, <laughs> There's been a lot of back issues this spring. Back situations. And, yeah, n- none of them seem like a big deal. I- I'm not worried about either of these guys. If if Napoli was still complaining about his ankle, that might worry me, but uh, it's not a big deal, the groin. The Indians are optimistic that closer Chris Perez will be available for opening day. We will keep an eye on that. He's going very late right now, just looking at the relief pitcher list and head-to-head leagues. Uh, 231st overall. I don't even know if I did put that much on the chart. I did. That's around 20 as I look at my cheat sheet. So that's <laughs> late. Uh, is that good value for Chris Perez, round 20? I think it's pretty good value. I, I, there are other reasons to downgrade him, uh, particularly the strikeout rate last year, which was pretty poor. Yeah. Um, so it's not a, a steal, but uh, it's, it's decent value. And Fausto Carmona had his false identity charges dropped. He's actually Roberto Hernandez. Could he? Is he going to play this year? I'm, I would think likely. Um, I don't know what the timetable is, but that's a great first step. And uh, yeah, I would think so. I, I'm confused how false identity charges get dropped. Does that mean he's he's going to be Fausto Carmona still? No. That maybe that is really he, his he, identity. He, he, I think he just made some some deal. Yeah, some yeah. Deal or something. So basically, like, he, he'll never be Fausto Carmona again. He is that's Roberto too Hernandez. bad. I like close the name the book. Fausto. Yeah, close it the book was a Fausto's cool name, wasn't it? Career. Yeah. I mean, when he picked Fausto Carmona, he did a nice job. That is good work. Uh, what is what is the deepest league you guys are in this year? Uh, I guess the twelve team AL only Roto with thirty man rosters. We're both in it. Um, you know. It, you could argue NL, even though they, there's two more teams in the NL than the AL, you could argue it's actually deeper because yeah. there's fewer hitters in it. <laughs> but, yeah, that AL only one um, for a you know, roto or, or head-to-head league. That's the deepest one I'm in. I'm starting a draft today. It's like a 20-team mixed league. And I, actually, we're on the clock like now-ish. Uh, we have like three hours of drafts, one of those extended drafts. I've never done a league like this. This is intimidating stuff. Yeah, well, Scott and I are in a, a simulation league with 24 teams, so that's pretty that's, deep. Yeah. It's too much for me. I mean, how do you fill out a roster? Hang on, have such terrible players on your team. <laughs> You've done the uh, NL only 10 team head to head drafts with us before. I, th- I think you'll. Mock uh, drafts. Yeah. Well. So, so just channel that again. Well, we have the third pick, and I'm <laughs> sharing a team with uh, Jamie Eisenberg, and I had to convince him to take Bautista over Kemp. Good work. Yeah. 
That's look, man. I host the podcast, Jamie. Better listen to me. <laughs> All right, let's go to uh, the emails. So uh, the first email that I'm reading today is very strange. No name on it, and I saw. I read this one. I was like, okay, gotta read this one there. It says, gentlemen, need a girlfriend. Really need keeper help. Finished in last place three straight years. Where so did that come from? Which one are we working on here? <laughs> I don't. I don't know, man. I mean. Yeah, yeah, I guess you do need a girlfriend. But I'm not sure how we can help you with that, but we'll try to help you with your keeper league. So it's an NL-only 5x5 five five league. Keep three. Bonifacio for six. Freeze for one. Betancourt one. Belt one. Puts seven. Beachy one. Vado 36. I would keep Bonifacio at six for sure. Uh Puts at seven in an NL only five by five. Any closer you can get for seven seems like a really good deal to me. And then uh, actually, I think Vado at thirty six, seeing as he went for forty four in our NL only auction, and uh, he's the only stud first baseman in the National League. I think thirty six really? for him is a I pretty good price. I thought you were going to go with Beachy. I'm not going with Beachy. Interesting, because I feel like pitching, starting pitching, is one position that's. Deep in the NL. But you can't get it for any cheaper than one. You can't get it for any cheaper than one. But I think uh, fifty. I, cents. I think <laughs> by the time you, you get through the higher-tiered pitchers, like the Josh Johnsons, Giovanni Giardos, pick yourself up a couple of those. Uh, you're not really going to miss Beachy that much. See, I, I'm going Beachy. I'm going Bonifacio, Beachy, Vado because, look, you said puts at seven is great. Well, Betancourt at one is even better. I trust the, Tim to keep the job all year. Um, and I think, That's true. And I think you could probably get a you know a viable closer for less than seven bucks. So I, I don't think you'll get him for less than seven. But well, but okay. Beachy at okay. one. I yeah, can't. You, you've got Beachy at one is a better deal than a closer at seven because you can get a closer for fifteen sixteen, and you'd probably get Beachy for about the same price. So yeah, Beachy as the third one. Read this next email here and tell me if you think this is a topic for a podcast or half a podcast. So it's Mark in Houston, Texas. I'm in a 10-team head-to-head mixed league, 6x6. Six six. What would be your favorite draft position and why? So I've thought about doing this you know, in terms of your draft strategy depending on where you draft, 1 through 4 or whatever, 5 through 8, 9 through 12, um, and how it changes your strategy. But first answer this question. 10-team league, where's your favorite position to draft? This year, I'm going to say six, now that Ryan Braun is back. To me, there's a drop-off after those first six, which are uh, Miguel Cabrera, Albert Pujols, Jose Bautista, Troy Tulowitzki, um, Matt Kemp and Brent Braun, yeah. And plus, I kind of just like picking in the middle anyway. Um, you don't have to worry about missing out on runs in positions. Your your picks are pretty much evenly distributed. Uh, so, so you... you, you you end up reaching less, I feel like, when you're picking in the middle than when sure. you're picking on a bookend. Sure. Uh, all right. Well, here's the next question from Adam and Allison. I'm in a 12-team head-to-head league, mixed keeper league. Uh, keepers decreasing by three every year. I have had Joey Votto for the last several seasons. Two years ago, he cost me a seventh-round pick. Last year, he cost me a fourth-round pick. This year, he's costing me a first-round pick if I keep him. My problem is that the deadline to name my keepers comes before the draft order is announced. Mm. Without knowing if I will get an early first-round pick or a late first-round pick, do I keep Joey Votto? I, I would. Um, you know, I would just want to know that I got one of the best hitters in baseball for sure You know, without taking the risk of getting that uh, was a 12-team. So 11th or 12th pick where Votto I don't think is likely to be there. So, Yeah, but... 
at the same time, I, I feel like with this keeper structure, there's going to be a lot of genuine first rounders there. I mean, who's going to? Does that if you if it was a guy drafted as a first rounder originally, you can't jump up three dollars. Yeah. For all I know, you don't get to keep him at all. So, um, I, I would I would probably be against keeping Vado, but I could see the argument for it. Titus in Deltona, Florida. Deltona, where is that? Uh it's uh, I think Central Atlantic Coast somewhere. That's Daytona. Yeah, but I think Daytona is not far from Daytona. Interesting. Hello, Fantasy Jedi Masters. I started listening to last year's football podcast, and it did well for my first league, fourth overall. Thought I would check this one out. I noticed that in football, you guys had a system as to how to draft by position. Example, running back, running back, wide receiver, wide receiver in the first four rounds. Is there a similar system you guys follow in baseball? Go Tar Heels. Much <laughs> Madness is here. I picked. I did a bracket yesterday. I filled it out. I picked the Tar Heels to win the national championship. And then I said, no. They are soft. They are pansies, and they are not going to win the national championship. I feel comfortable with that. I, I obviously didn't watch that new... game against Duke a week ago or so. Uh, oh, the, 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 no, I hate okay. Duke, too. They're going to lose but, to I mean, Baylor. They destroyed them. Yeah, but they're so soft, man. Zeller is just so soft. The ACC teams are the only ones I know anything about, really. Uh, anyway, uh, similar system in fantasy baseball in terms of your position strategy. There's, there's a, another podcast there's a, that we could do here. Yeah, it, it, it I, really we could. Should, we should do one. We will. Give us the, uh, the cliff notes. Well, baseball, there's a lot more positions in baseball than football, and, and they're... Yeah. They're tied together in a different way than they are in football. So I don't really think there's anything like this. The closest, I would say, is to use a, a, a tier approach, which I laid out in our, dra- our preseason draft column, in a uh, content in a column. <laughs> I laid it out in our preseason draft content in a column, and uh, basically it involves dividing each position into tiers, as we've talked about a few times on this podcast. And then as those tiers get depleted, you... you you target the position that is closest to being depleted at the highest available tier, um, which sounds confusing, but I recommend checking out the column. It's, it's a little <laughs> okay. more thoroughly explained there. That, that's the cliff notes. Yeah. yeah. All right. I have breaking news for you guys. The uh, I am now up. I picked third in that league that I just mentioned. Jose Bautista went second. I will be taking Albert Pujols. Um, yeah, that's okay, too. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited about that. We have to get out of here. We're done for the day. We'll be back tomorrow with another podcast. Send us your emails, fantasybaseball at cbsinteractive.com, and put podcasts in the subject line. We'll talk to you later.